Well, welcome to our program today, to the wonderful Words of Life. We're going to be in James chapter 3 today, and this is a very interesting chapter. And we're following along with the uh, James, the brother of the Lord Jesus, and he's hitting some areas of, I think, some uh, contention within the church, things that are very beneficial towards us. So it is. Uh, this letter has been very, very engrossing. It's very been very informative. It's a really a practical how to uh, practice our Christian faith. But before we begin, let's let's hear from the psalmist. Notice what he says. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord and bless his name. Proclaim good news of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations, his wonders among all peoples. For the Lord is great and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the people are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Honor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. Praise the Lord. Father, we come before you now in the name of Jesus, and we just ask you, Father, to enlighten our heart. Show us your will. Father, speak to us through the power of the Holy Spirit. Cause the word of God to come alive on the inside of us so that we can put it into practice immediately. And Father, we'll give you all the praise and honor and glory for that now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. All right. Now, as I said earlier, we are in chapter three of the epistle of James, and we're sort of embarking upon a new subject. And this is the subject of taming the tongue. That's what I've uh, entitled this uh, study today. But the message is the same. And you're going to find the same message throughout the book of James. And the message is this faith that works by love. If we truly love God, if we're truly walking in the love of God, then we're going to learn how to govern and control and tame every member of our body. Amen. Now, James begins this chapter and he starts talking about those that aspire to be teachers. And he talks about how that uh, we are to be careful uh, what we desire, especially when it comes to. Uh, to being a teacher of the Word of God, because there is a tremendous responsibility and an accountability that falls upon those who aspire to be teachers of the Word of God. And think about this. Think about the fact that when Paul lists the categories of the uh, the spiritual gifts in the church, uh, teachers fall right underneath the apostles and the prophets. And so that's a very important position to hold in the church. And so it behooves that person who is a gifted teacher to teach the truth and not to try to twist the truth to try to garner and get people to follow after him. That was a big problem that Paul had, especially in the churches of Galatia. There were uh, people that would come and try to uh, twist the word of God, try to get people to follow them instead of the Apostle Paul. And, of course, you know, Paul calls these th these kind of people false brethren. And so uh, we need to be very, very humble in those giftings and callings of God that uh, he chooses for us. Amen. We don't choose them ourselves. He chooses them uh, for us. Amen. And, of course, uh, then Paul, I mean, then James l launches into 
uh, the subject of taming the tongue, which has somewhat to do with teachers, but it's, it's really relevant to all of us in the church today. Amen. And so we just need to follow this motto of Paul. And we're going to find out that James and Paul really are on the same uh, on the same level concerning uh, this subject. Notice what Paul says. He says, I urge you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. Notice that we are to present our bodies, every member of our body as a living sacrifice. And that includes the words of our mouth. And then Paul goes on and he says this, and do not be conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. How culture has shaped so many in the church world today, when actually it should be the other way around. It should be the church, amen, that is influencing our culture. And in many ways, the church has. But uh, we should never, we should never adopt, adopt worldly culture into the church. Above all things, the church is to be separate unto God and God alone. All right, that's enough. Let's go ahead and get into the word of God. Notice beginning in verse one, uh, James addresses those who would desire to be teachers of the word of God in the church and how that they're accountable before God. Notice what he says, beginning in verse one, my brethren, be not many masters or teachers, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation or the greater judgment to whom much is given to that same person must much is required. If we're going to be teachers in the church, then we are going to be required to practice what we preach, and we better be preaching the truth and not some falsehood. Amen. Because we're going to be accountable before God. Remember, Jesus and the word are one. He is the living word. Amen. And if we do shame to the name of Jesus, we're going to stand before God and give an account for that. Verse two, it says, for in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, the same as a perfect man and able also to bridle the whole body. What does that what does that mean? Offend all. It means to cause people to stumble. It means to cause people to err. If we're teaching error, then those subjects that we're teaching recalls them also to be in error. Listen, we do not want to hear the Lord Jesus said, you had your own plan. You didn't have my plan. That, that would be a grievous indictment upon us. So let's make sure that we spend a lot of time praying, that we spend a lot of time studying, and that we grow to maturity before we're ever, ever able to stand behind a pulpit or a lectern and teach people the word of God. Amen. Make sure that we what we teach, we can back it up. Amen. And I tell people all the time, don't just believe what I teach. You go into the word of God for yourself and find out whether or not it's true. And if it's not true and you have a problem, please come to me and tell me. We'll search the scriptures together. And if I find out I'm wrong, I will repent and I will correct because one thing I want to be is I don't want to be right just to be right. I want to be right before the eyes of God 
And if I'm not right, oh, I tell you what, I don't want to have to stand before the Lord Jesus and have to give an account for something that I did was wrong. Oh, no, I don't want to be that way. No, sir. I want to have Jesus smile at me and I want him to say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Praise the name of the Lord. Amen. Praise God. Notice something Paul said in writing to Timothy. He's talking about two individuals. He says, and the word will eat as doth a canker of whom is Hymenaeus and Philetus, who concerning the faith have erred saying that the, that the resurrection is past already and have overthrown the faith of some. And then Paul says this, Nevertheless, the foundation of God stands sure, having the seal. The Lord knows them that are his, and let everyone that names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. So Paul, right here, he's relating iniquity to false teaching, teaching error. That's God's mind on the subject. So if we're going to preach the word of God, let's make sure that we're right. Let's make sure that we have evidence in the scriptures, the, the full context of the scripture. I'm talking about old and new. I'm talking about the whole scope of the scriptures. Let's make sure that what we teach, what doctrine we teach, it, can, it is the word of God. Amen. Praise God. All right, now James goes on in verse 3. Now, he talks about taming the tongue. Notice what he says. Behold, we put bits in the horse's mouths that they may obey us, and we turn about their whole body. Behold also the ships, which though they be so great and are driven of fierce winds, yet are they turned about with a very small helm whithersoever the governor wants the ship to go. Now, notice this. Notice how James is speaking of the power of the tongue, and he likens the power of the tongue to the rudder of a ship or a bit in the horse's mouth. Notice he says, even so the tongue, verse 5, is a little member and boasts great things. Oh, I tell you, we like to talk great things. We like to boast. Behold how great a matter a little fire kindles. And so here's the thought here. James is saying this. Now, you put a bit in the horse's mouth and you can turn that horse whichever direction you want it to go. You pilot a ship and that ship has a rudder. And even when the winds are blowing, even when uh, there's a great storm blowing, yet because you can turn the rudder of that ship and cause that ship to go in whatever direction you want it. You can either turn the ship to go into the high waves, go into the wind, or you can turn the ship, the, the ship and let the wind blow you in a certain direction. Well, if a bit can do that to the horse, if a rudder can do that to a great ship, the same can be said for the tongue. And notice what James says again in verse 5. Even so, the tongue is a little member. It's part of the body, isn't it? is it not? And isn't that what Paul taught us in Romans 12:1? That we are to present every member of our body a living sacrifice? Even so, the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. Behold, how great a matter a little fire kindles. In other words, what James is saying is that he's talking about the destructive nature of the words of our mouth. 
using our speech, using our tongue, using our lips for destructive purposes. You know, Jesus said this concerning the Pharisees. He says, oh, generation of vipers, how can you being evil speak good things? You can't. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. A good man out of the good treasure of the heart brings forth good things. And an evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth evil things. But I say unto you that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give account thereof in the day of judgment. For by thy words you shall be justified, and by your words you shall be condemned. Now, we know for a fact that a sinner, somebody who is outside of the nature of Christ, there is no possible way for him to control or tame his tongue. He's going to say whatever's on his mind. As a matter of fact, I've had family members tell me, well, I just say whatever I want to say. And, you know, the writer of Proverbs calls that person a fool. It says a fool utters his mind, but a wise man keeps it in until after. Well, why? Because a wise man is not going to provoke somebody into an argument that may develop into a fistfight. He's going to remain calm. He's going to seek peace and pursue it. That's exactly what James is talking about here in this chapter. So we need to guard ourselves against words that are of no profit. Arguments, hatred, vile language, guile, all those are words of no profit. They don't profit us if we speak them out. And they're certainly not going to profit that other people. It's going to wound that person and it's going to diminish us. And of course, you know, here we are, we're believers and if we diminish ourselves concerning our witness, what is that going to do to the name of Christ? Actually, we could go, for, go so far as to say we're actually blaspheming the name of Christ by doing things of that nature, by losing our temper, getting out of control and saying things that really are very, very shameful. But notice he says here, Verse 6, and the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature and is set on fire of hell. For every kind of beast and of birds and of serpents and of things in the sea is tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But the tongue can no man tame. Now, we're talking about natural man now. We're not talking about spiritual man. But the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. Therewith, bless we God, even the Father, and therewith curse we men who are made after the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceeds blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not so to be. I want you to notice all of these negative descriptors talking about the tongue that is not tamed, the untamed tongue. It's a fire. It's a world of iniquity. It defiles the whole body. It sets on fire the course of nature. It sets on fire the course of nature. You get in an argument with somebody and you lose your temper 
And you know what's going to happen? You're going to wind up getting in a fist fight. And then and then you're going to shame the name of Jesus. Well, I just won't say you. I'll say us. And then we go ahead and shame the name of Jesus and ruin our testimony. I remember hearing about a preacher. I mean, he would fight at the drop of a hat. If anybody challenged him, he'd, he'd, he'd go out and he'd start fighting, get in a fist fight. That, that should never be named in the priesthood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Not one time. We are to be peaceable people. We are to be forgiving people. We're to be humble people. Strong, but strong in faith. Strong in our conviction that we're going to glorify the name of Jesus. And then James goes on and he says, this. he says, the tongue can no man tame. It's an unruly evil. It's full of deadly poison. And with the tongue, we bless God. And then with the same mouth, we curse men. And he says, out of the same mouth proceeds blessing and cursing. And then he says, my brethren, these things ought not so to be. Amen. And that's an indictment upon us. How many of us have said things that we wish we hadn't said or things that we had to go back later and apologize for? Things we said just off the top of our head without really thinking about them. We act very foolishly, didn't we? Remember, a fool utters his mind, but a wise man keeps it in until afterwards. Amen. The words that we speak. We need to have the wisdom of God and choose what we're going to say. Amen. Isn't that what James told us? Be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. I tell you, a man that considers the words of his mouth, that's a very, very wise man. All right. Now, verse five. Amen. Notice, I mean, verse 11. Notice, does a fountain send forth at the same place sweet water and bitter? Can the fig tree, my brethren, bear olive berries, either a vine, figs? So can no fountain both yield salt water and fresh. Notice the distinction between the natural man and the spiritual man. The spiritual man is not going to have sweet water and at the same time, bitter water can't. He's, he's going to be a fountain of one or the other. Now, we have to ask ourselves the question, what kind of a fountain are we? Are we a sweet water fountain or are we a bitter water fountain? We have to examine that in light of the word of God. We have to ask ourselves the question, am I setting a watch over my mouth so that I'm not going to sin against God? Am I watching the words of my mouth? Am I considering the words of my mouth? Or is it so easy to get with friends and then start talking about other people and denigrating other people and criticizing other people? It's easy to criticize. Listen, losing one's temper is the easiest thing in the world to do. Criticizing other people in an attempt to lift ourselves up is the easiest thing in the world to do. It's easy for us to fall into these things. And what does that tell us? That tells us that morally we are very weak people. Don't you think that Jesus, when he was being tortured? Don't you think this? Can't you see the strength in the Lord Jesus Christ? 
that as a lamb before the slaughter, so he opened not his mouth. He didn't open up his mouth in pain and agony. <laughs> he didn't open up his mouth in, uh, in cursing people and condemning other people. Brother, we need to take what, what things come our way, we need to take it patiently. And I know that's a hard thing to do. It takes a lot of training and a lot of discipline. But we have the Spirit of God on the inside of us. We have the Word of God on the inside of us. We can be fountains that spring forth sweet water and not bitter. Amen. All right, now, verse 13. G, uh, James now, he's talking about earthly wisdom versus the wisdom that is from above. Notice what he says. Whoso is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you, let him show out of a good conversation his works with meekness of wisdom. Notice that, a good conversation. We could say it this way, let him show by his good life or by his good works meekness of wisdom. Amen. Let's read this again. Who is a wise man? Are we wise people? Who is a wise man and endued with knowledge? We have a lot of people in the church. They have a lot of knowledge, but they don't have a lot of wisdom. They don't know how to take that, take the knowledge that they've learned and apply it to their everyday life. It takes wisdom to know how to conduct ourselves in the world. It requires wisdom. I know there's a lot of things that I, I have said in past that uh, I thought about it later. And I said, you know, that was very, a very foolish an unwise thing uh, to say. And I had to repent of that. We need to set a watch over our mouth. Amen. Now, notice what James says here. He says, who is a wise man endued with knowledge among you? Let him show out of a good conversation. Remember, let him show by his good life his works with meekness of wisdom. Amen. And what Paul, James is talking about here, he's talking about corresponding actions. Actions that speak of a genuine faith, a deep-rooted faith on the inside of us. And the psalmist said this, Set a guard over my mouth, O Lord. Keep watch over the door of my lips. Let not my heart be drawn to what is evil, to take part in wicked deeds with men who are evildoers. Let me not eat of their delicacies. And of course, the psalmist, he was speaking of this, you know, uh, you know, appealing to God because his nature was not born again. You and I have the life and nature of God on the inside of us. And God expects us to do the very thing the psalmist declares. Verse 14 says this, but if you have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. Paul said this very thing to the Corinthian church. He says, for you are yet carnal. For whereas there is among you envying and strife and divisions, are you not carnal or flesh ruled and walk as mere men? We have people in the church. That's what they're what they're walking as mere men. They're walking as carnal, flesh ruled individuals that think that they can say whatever they want to say. And, and, and God will just have to take it. Well, that's not true. Remember, every idle word that we speak, we're going to have to give an account thereof on the day of judgment. So men in, who engage 
and every kind of fleshly behavior prove that they're not spiritually mature, that they're just babes in Christ, and they need to be corrected. We, through the dealings of the Holy Spirit, have to be taught how to live godly in Christ. Amen. And that's through much dealing in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit now being allowed to govern our heart and our life. And then James goes on and he says this. He says, the wisdom descends not from above, but is earthly, sensual, devilish. For where envying and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. Paul, in writing to Timothy, said this. He says, if anyone advocates a different doctrine and does not agree with sound words, those of our Lord Jesus Christ, and with the doctrine conforming to godliness, he is conceited and understands nothing. So where does wisdom begin? It begins with the fear of God. It begins with reverencing Him, shrinking away, shunning anything that we would do that would bring shame to the name of Jesus. Amen. So we have people in the church. Uh, they use whatever kind of profane words they want to use. I mean, they talk just like the world talks. And they think they're right before God. Well, I'm telling you, we are going to have to stand before God and give an account for everything that we said and done. And so we are to separate ourselves from the world. We are in the world, but we are not to be of the world. We are to live separated lives unto God and God alone. Amen. All right, now let's finish this chapter up. Verse 17, but the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, and easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. Notice that. Robertson says this, but the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits. The fruit of your lips, the fruit of my lips. Is it good? Is it sowing blessing or sowing cursing? Listen, it is an Old Testament truth, and it's true to us today. We are to be a blessing, and we are to speak blessing over people. Isn't that what Jesus said? Bless them which curse you. Bless them which despitefully use you. Amen. Let's use our, the fruit of our lips for blessing. And notice finally in verse 18, And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. So by those who desire to produce peace, they, what do they project? A peaceful temper? A peaceful disposition? They don't get angry. If they get angry, then they keep their mouth shut or they walk away. I've heard preachers talk about somebody makes them mad. Well, they just shut their mouth and walk away until they can get their emotions under control. And the way to sow and reap peace is to do what? To train our lips. Listen to what the Apostle Peter says. For whoever would love life and see good days must keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speak from deceitful speech. 
He must turn from evil and do good. He must seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are attentive to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. So in conclusion today, we have the power through the Holy Spirit to tame our tongue. The same faith that we use to train our body and to submit our body and subject it is the same faith that we use to tame our tongue. Father, we bless you in the name of Jesus, and we praise you for this study today. Make it real in our hearts and lives, Father, so that we can put it into practice immediately. And we'll give you the praise, honor, and glory in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Do you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that if you were to die today, that you would be prepared for heaven? If you're not sure, then I encourage you to pray this prayer with me. Father God, I come to you through your Son, Jesus Christ. I repent and ask you to forgive me of my sin and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. I surrender my heart and life to you. By faith, I believe I receive you as my Lord and Savior, and I thank you for receiving me in Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed this prayer and desire to know more about the gift of Christ that the Heavenly Father offers you, then email us at rbtc86 at gmail.com. We will be glad to answer your questions promptly and provide you at your request with materials that will help you to grow in your faith in the Lord Jesus. This is Patsy Dunning. Thank you for listening to our broadcast today. And let me remind you to tune in to this station at the same time next week to hear more of the wonderful words of life. God bless you and remember what Jesus said. It is the Spirit who gives life.